Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. Well, take your Bible. Let's uh, look at uh, our continuing series, this uh, mini family series. We're going to do one more. Next week, we're going to wrap up the family series. But uh, today in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3 is our focus. And this is just not a message for children, young children. But last time I checked, we were all somebody's kids, right? In fact, adults are kids with big bodies and more expensive toys. Sort of the way it works, right? You used to have a Tonka truck, now you want the real deal, right guys? I want a truck. <laughs> yeah, or whatever, right? And, uh, and so on. So we're all kids, and we all had parents last time I checked. Nobody came out of a Petri dish. Uh, I think we all came kicking and screaming, most of us, into the world. I'm not sure why. Do they do that anymore? They pat the little baby on the butt in the delivery room? I don't know. That's probably not a bad thing when you think of our depravity and the way we pass it on. We might as well start them off with one to the credit, you know? (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, some of you know that. The duty of all children, Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. Let's... Read Paul's words in Ephesians 6 and read our text. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Well, the duty of all children. What is it that you prize in life? What is it? Everybody does. We prize one thing or another. Maybe you're a health nut. Maybe that's not the right way to put it. Maybe you're given to all that health, nutrition, and vitamins, and all that. I'm a Shackley person. Have you ever met Shackley people? They're kind of like, and if you are it, I'm glad you are. But I'm not. But, uh, you know, that's, I really prize that. And, and, and that's good. Maybe you prize athletic prowess. You know, I can do so many bench presses, and I can run this fast, or I can, I'm on the volleyball team, and I'm, you know, what a team we have, right? And we did win, didn't we? We, we won last Monday, we made it, as we have a church team, you know, a place in Harrisburg, and won first round of the playoffs. We're glad for that. I don't know what you prize, maybe, maybe your dog, a lot of people do, or your parakeet, some people do that. Mine a bird, they're kind of fun. I painted a house for a lady one time. She had a minor bird. Oh, that was fun. I got, it was driving me crazy by the time I was done painting the inside trim. This is years and years ago. The minor bird kept talking all the way, all the time, and, and so on. Maybe you prize it like Dolly did. I don't know. There are a number of things come to mind when you think, what do you prize? Did you know that God calls each one of us to highly prize our parents? He calls us to that. He actually commands it. It's true. The fifth commandment of the Big Ten, remember the Big Ten? We did a study on that a few years ago, the Big Ten. Remember that when we studied evangelism? 
and they asked on the street, can you name any of the Ten Commandments? And uh, the average was maybe one, maybe two. Can you name uh, ten kinds of beer? Oh, they rattled them right off. Six or eight labels of beer, maybe one of the Ten Commandments. Something's, and something's not right with that picture, you know what I mean? Well, the number five commandment uh, requires us to honor our parents. Honor your father and your mother, Exodus chapter 20. Today, rebellion against all authority seems to be the order of the day. Rebellion. We live in a very rebellious day. I remember uh, when I was in early elementary school, one of the smart kids in the class said, you know what the longest word in the English language is? I said, I have no idea. I said, really? And she went to the board and she wrote, anti-disestablishment terrorism. I sort of liked it because it had part of my name in, in it. And so I kind of learned that, anti-disestablishmentarianism. Now, what's that mean? It means rebellion. Rebellion. We are utterly re- It begins with Adam and Eve. You shall not eat. And they're over there looking at what they should not be doing. Right? And we do that. And the law is like that. Paul said that. We taught that, right? As soon as the law comes by, you go like, don't touch this. Go like, we want to touch it, right? Don't do, it's just it's within us. Don't, the moment you say that, the Roman Catholics for years in the medieval days came up with a list, and even later the Pope came out with a list of the books you shall not read. Guess which were the bestsellers of the day? <laughs> Thank you, Pope. I'm going down to Amazon.com. I got to read these. Tell people don't. And there, it's just that rebelliousness within us in our country, in our church. Not everybody says, yes, Pastor. Oh, yes, Pastor. I'm praying and love you enough to tell you the truth and urge you to do right and run after you if you don't. And people thank you, Pastor. No, I'm like Dr. Death to some. I'm the last guy they want to see, right? Why? It's that rebelliousness. And you know what? It also inflicts, inflicts our home, doesn't it? You have perfect little homes. Everyone just kind of, you know, it's like, uh, you, you know, everyone just obeys mom and dad. Mom and dad are forever happy. Oh, isn't it great? No way. Impossible. We got little rebellious people in the office of dad and mom and kids. And it's only the grace of God and the spirit of God that makes any change. Rebellion is the order of the day. Some days are worse than others. And this is an area where it's everywhere. And some of you are children of the 60s. I was. I mean, we ran the schools. Don't tell it anymore this way. David, you, before you were born, I mean, we, we had in our school in that day, 1969, we had a big assembly, you know, in the morning. We had a big class, 900 in each of our class, 900 in the sophomore, junior, and senior class. I went to assembly, and in some way, assistant principal gets up there and says, okay, we're on a shorted, shorted pro, uh, class schedule today. Now go back to your class. And the students started yelling, H, no, we won't go. Went on for an hour and a half. And the principal's up there, oh, my, what am I going to do, you know? Should have just went down, you're all expelled. You know, you're out. <laughs> and they found out that they could run the administration. And you know what? We're still here today, most of us, the children of that era, 
And now we're running organizations, Wall Street, have you noticed what's happened on Wall Street lately? The, the universities and businesses and all that, that spirit of blatant rebellionism, nothing is sacred. I will not worship God. I could care less about the Ten Commandments. They're not even ten suggestions. And that's the day we live in. Well, it includes our parents. It, rebellion is everything. All children are required to both obey and honor their parents. And we're going to develop what that means. No generation gap. That was, that's satanically inspired. We'll talk about that. Paul tells us that it's a child's duty to obey, and it's a parent's duty to teach obedience. It is amazing to me how many parents seem clueless to this responsibility that they have before God to instruct their children at the earliest ages in obeying their parents. It's very simple. Say, a child says, well, what's God's will for me? Remember that? We talked about how do I know God's will? It's real simple for parents and children. For children, obey your parents. Obey your parents. It's real simple. I know some of you are thinking God goofed up and he ended up in the wrong family. You know, like you have friends and her mom is real nice. Say, I, I think I'm supposed to be an advocate. No, there's no mistakes. God never said, I didn't know. You're where you need to be by God's design and purpose and plan. So lay that aside and find rest and contentment in that. And we're going to talk about it. Some of you had, have and had difficult parents. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, about how to handle that. Well, Paul tells us that it's the child's duty to obey and the parent's duty to teach obedience. To teach a child to obey is to teach him to obey God. Did you know that? We'll talk about that. If you don't teach obedience and you're teaching him or her to defile God, parents must enforce obedience. All right, well, two commands. This is three verses, two commands, two points. Just two today. Anymore, I used to preach six and eight. I'm coming down to maybe two. You know, say, how many words could pastor say on two points? We ought to be out of here in 15 minutes. Hold on. Two commands directing us in relation to our parents so that we'll enjoy them. Imagine that. Enjoy them. And enjoy long life as well. This is the only command, you can underline it, that God gives specifically to the children in the whole Bible. If you can find another, let me know. I want to know that. But it's directed solely to children. Well, the first command you can write next to Roman number one is an action. The second command is going to be an attitude. And they're different. Of course, the attitude lies behind all of our actions, but that's the way he unfolds it. Well, the, what is the first command directing us in this relationship? And number one, as children, we're commanded by God to obey our parents. In this verse, which all Christian parents have memorized, am I right? <laughs> children, obey your parents. I mean, we, we must have said it a million times in our home. Million and one, right there? This, our kids knew this probably more than John 3.16. What's the Bible say? Children, obey your parents. You know? <laughs> they were shell-shocked. You've got, to, you've got to open their hearts and their ears to the Word of God and pour the Word of God into their hearts and souls at the earliest days. It's never too soon. 
never too soon. I told you that I, I love seeing uh, my Sarah emulate this in pouring the Word of God into her little girls. And when Sarah comes, uh, Taylor almost has Psalm 23 memorized as a two-year-old. She's pouring the Word of God into her heart. And she's as active and rambunctious as her mother and father. She's all over the place, really. She is enamored by such as she is so bright, like her daddy. Well, her mommy, too. But uh, I was singing on the phone with her this week. We're, we're in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. And, 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 and marching in the cal No, marching the infantry, riding the cavalry, right? Yes, sir. I'm telling you, you have to do that. It's so important. And in the, all, in, pour the word. The word obey in A, the word obey means uh, to be under the hearing of. It's uh, different than the, uh, another word in the Greek that's used for obedience. Here it means to, obviously, to listen to and do what you're told. In other words, the mom and dad speak, you, it falls on your ears, enters your heart, you hear it, you understand it, you do it. That's God's will. Real simple, straightforward. But that's not usually our problem. Usually we know what to do. It's doing what we know, right? That's usually our problem. And, uh, but that's what it means. It therefore means listen and do what you're told. Children are to put themselves under the words and the authority of their parents. The sense of this imperative, it's durative. It means keep on, keep on obeying your parents. Keep on doing it. Not, I did it last Thursday, or now I'm 14, or now I'm, no that the tenor and the character of your life uh, as a uh, child in, is that you hear and you obey and you do. You place yourself under their authority. I remember many occasions in my own life God hammering home the reality of this to me. Uh, my father was not saved, good father, ran his own business, a lot of hours with it, strong disciplinarian when he got home. And, uh, and when, I, when the Lord began to really draw my heart to himself, my last year of high school, I found drawn to want to be with God's people. I wanted to go to church. Isn't that something? You know, that's how it is. When God works on a man's or woman's heart, they draw them to God's people. You want to be with God's people. You want to be under the teaching of God's Word. That's the Spirit of God-induced. And, and Sunday for Dad in the afternoon, it was work day around. We had projects to do, a zillion of them. You ever noticed the project list is never done? It can be discouraging at point. And when you get it all done, you've got to redo it again because, you know, second law of thermodynamics is falling apart. You've got to repaint it again and do this and that. And I wanted to go, uh, you know, they had special meetings at church Sunday night. I made a big scene. I'm going to church. We were mixing concrete or something. I don't know. He was an engineer, so everything was always over-engineered. He was building a shed in the back, and we put footers down four feet, you know. <laughs> And you don't have, you know, the cement truck. We've got our own 
thing here, and we're going to mix it up. And <laughs> Anyway, my boys need some muscles. They're going to do it. You know, that kind of thing. Right in the middle of mixing some, and I said, hey, Dad, I'm going to church tonight. He said, no, you're not. Yeah, I said, no, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm going. Didn't I say that? He said, no, you're not. And I made a big scene about out there. You know, and it, it really, and God really, really slew me in it. You know, I knew he wasn't saved, and uh, I knew he loved me, and I made it like an, a spiritual arrogant thing, like uh, not a holier than thou, but sort of. And uh, I said some things I shouldn't have, and, and uh, went off to, I left the job site, went up in my room, and uh, boy, it was like the Lord slew me in my heart. Now, that was, you really honored your father in that. I go like, yeah, I had to sort through those things. You know, how does, you know, isn't church important? Isn't being on the word important? Yet I'm still in my dad's house in, in, in all that. And I was filled with arrogance and pride. And, and it was like I prayed and asked the word for me. And I went down and I, I said, Dad, this is all within an hour. I said, you know, uh, I'm here on the job, and you're in charge, and you're my father, and I love you, and I'll do it with my heart and my soul, and I want to ask you to forgive me. I, I really blew it, and I wanted to go to church, but, you know, you're, you're my authority, and uh, I want to remain under that, your, your authority, and in that, you're my protector. You notice that? Authorities are there not because God wants to hurt us, they protect us. A husband bears an authority over his wife, not because God said, you know, like, okay, we got to hurt the women. No, no, it's to protect the woman. Children are under the authority of a parent. They provide a protection for the children. Government's the same way. We're under, in a civil realm, under the authority of government. Why not? Just because we need to you know, pay taxes and be hurt, blah, blah. No, for protection it is in a fallen world. And so I told my father that, and so I commenced to finishing the job with the concrete and all that. Well, it's amazing, about two or three weeks later, we were out doing, I don't, who knows what, my father, who knows what. And around the 5.30 came around, and he said to me, uh, I was right in the middle of cutting the barberry bushes or some crazy thing, I don't know. And he said to me, hey, don't you need to get cleaned up? Don't you have church tonight? And I thought, I, I think I passed the test, Lord. Thank you. I learned that he's the authority under God. God didn't make a mistake, and that God was going to work through even an unsafe father who uh, had different priorities. And I'll never forget that lesson. And the same thing came about with schooling. My father wanted me, I told you before, to do a different uh, venue of training. He had really had his heart set on and I headed toward Princeton. And, uh, but I wanted, God put my heart to want to go. And now, now I know why. This June will be 30 years since God has allowed me ministry, to be in ministry. But at that point, I didn't know. I was thinking pre-law or business or something. To go to a Christian college in our university. And my father was really slow to do that. I'd had a, a football scholarship at a at Valparaiso University, a couple other schools around, and wrestling scholarship at Lehigh. And, and, uh, but I, I really wanted to go to a Christian college, but I didn't want to do it on my own. I wanted my father's blessing, so I laid it before him, and 
the weeks and months were passing and time was getting short. And finally, he lay there in bed one day and I said, Dad, I, I've got to know. They, they need to know. <laughs> am I coming or am I not? What's happening? Or I've got I've to do something, you know. And he said, you really want to go to that school? And I said, I really think I do. I think uh, the Lord has put that in my heart. I'd like to go. And uh, he said, okay. And I found the Lord worked through an unsaved dad as an authority. I wanted to honor him that way. And I could tell you a hundred times when I didn't. A lot of them, I felt the heat of discipline. But as uh, I grew older in those years, still in his home, I wanted to honor him. You, you, you know what? And to this day, I'm thankful for those occasions. I look back at that and say, thank you, Lord, for hitting me in the head with a two-by-four and get my attention before I did other stupid stuff and dishonored him and ran off on my own and made a mess. Don't we do that? We sort of do that. Have you noticed our parents are usually for us? They are, even if they're not where they ought to be. At the end of the day, they want it better for you. And so uh, I'm thankful for that. So it's protection as well. Well, to whom is Paul speaking? Children, obey your parents and be. Well, all children, here it is, it's qualified really. It's still living under a dad or mom's roof. Maybe you're living under only mom's roof. Maybe uh, it's only dad's roof. And uh, that's common in our day for a lot of reasons. But uh, it's while you're in your junior years. It's not an adult child. A, a child out on their own, so to speak. All right? So that's what he's referring to. And, and Jesus sets a beautiful example in this, does, does he not? In Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, you can look it up later. There, uh, here, uh, the creator of all. Now think about that. Creator of all. He even made his stepfather, Joseph, and Mary, his natural mother. And he submits to their authority. He grew in statue and in favor with God and with man in his humiliation, in the incarnation. What an example. And you know what? He obeyed them 100% of the time. Now, my sisters were always pretty good at home. Now, although my mother dealt with them at times when they weren't, and that's as I remember. Uh, they were good most of the time, but boys weren't. Now, if one of my brothers had been 100% obedient to my father, I think we would have beat him up or something. I don't, you know, I mean, 100% of the time, but the Lord was. It's no wonder his brothers were still unbelievers until after the resurrection. I think humanly under... And James was saved after. We saw that when we studied the book of James. Creator of all, but the Lord submits in his younger years, while in the home of Joseph and Mary, he always chose to obey them. Note the so-called generation gap really is a satanic attempt to ruin the family. How, do, how so? By dividing children from their parents. This idea that, you know, you're over 30, we can't trust you, we know better than you. Well, the end result is the children get exposed to all sorts of evils that they, they're not ready to be able to handle, and it's everywhere. And be careful. It's in the homes, in the cell phones, in the, uh, in, in the computers, in, on the TV, on the screen. It's everywhere, everywhere. You know this 
satanic desire to ruin the family. And he is. Well, what about, what else with Jesus? Well, later, Jesus in his public ministry, uh, to those who seem pious, but really were trying to evade God's word and caring for their parents, he had very harsh words. You can check that out in, uh, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 6 through 13. Remember that? The, he spoke to the religious leaders of that day. They're very walking around very pious. Oh, we have parents, but uh, we could help them financially. But we've given all our monies and, uh, uh, as if it's sacred to, to the Lord. And therefore, we have nothing left to support mom and or dad. And the Lord had a word to say about that, didn't he? He rebuked them. You, by your, your absolute nonsense, you violate the fifth commandment to honor your father and your mother. He blew them right away. And then, isn't it tender there on the cross in John 19, verse 25 to 27, and one of the last acts that our Lord did on earth prior to his death, hanging there, he takes care of his mother. He says to John, who's standing there next to Mary, he gives Mary, we believe Joseph had died already, uh, to John, for John to care for his mother. And church history tells us that uh, that's what happened. John took her into, uh, uh, took Mary into his, his home, cared for Mary through those years, early years of the church, and until she died. John, uh, the Lord Jesus put his stamp of approval on obedience and care for parents uh, in all that he did. Well, D, Paul gives us the manner in our text of the obedience that we owe our parents. Obey, children, your parents, here it is, in the Lord. In the Lord. Parents uh, are God's proxies. That is, they stand in the place of God to their children. How is that? Well, they're loving. They're loving. Parents love their children. They may not like, like everything we do, right? The mom will say, I sure love him, but I don't like him. I don't like the phase that he's in now, the chapter. Learn to think of it that way, too. Don't just write your kids off because you don't like them or you don't like what they're doing. They, it might be a phase. We used to hear that a lot more. They're in a phase. They're sort of, they'll come through that. You keep praying for them. You keep talking to them in, the, in that situation. They'll come through that. So you love them. You stand in the place of God that you provide for them. God provides. Often think about that and say that often. I don't even know where the food came from. My first six or seven years, I was there, I guess, but I don't remember a thing. Someone stuck it in my mouth and I sucked on the bottle and then it was Gerber baby food and they put pants and diapers and everything else on me and all that. I don't, I don't remember that. They took care of me. And they took care of me through a lot of other years, a lot of other times, and all of that. And they stand in the place of God as God's proxy in loving, in providing, and finally in law-giving. In law-giving. God does that. You notice that? Thou shalt, thou shalt not, the big ten. And the parent says, when the streetlights turn on, get yourself home, in the house. Or they'll say to some, my father would say, uh, those kids are, he used to say, and Faithy's dad said the same, they're dead-end kids. Dead-end kids. You know what that means? 
I sense there's not much good there, and they're not going anywhere, and I don't want you hanging around with them. You got it? Yeah. You help your kids sort out who they hang around with. Birds of a feather fly together, that kind of thing. Lawgiver, lawgiver and enforcer, right? That, that's, the, that's the role of mom and dad, parents. Shakespeare, and, and, that, uh, and I believe he was a Christian. He wrote so much of biblical truth in his writing. He put it this way, parents are God's lieutenants. Aye, aye, dad. Aye, aye, mom. <laughs> I think he's right. Well, your kids, contrary to what you hear much about today, do not belong to the state. Forget the village idea. It takes a village. You need help. You need teachers. They're extensions of your office and work, but they don't belong to the state. I don't care what Massachusetts says. I don't care what California says. In the rebellion, children uh, are the Lord's, and he loans them to parents to raise. We'll talk more about that next week. They don't raise well on their own. You've got to raise them. A lot of times there's absentee parents anymore. They do not raise on their own. We'll talk about that next week more in detail. Well, children are to obey their parents in the extent, and Paul's parallel passage in, in Colossians 3 tells us, in everything, in everything, in the Lord. Now, the only time the exception in applying biblical truth, comparing Scripture with Scripture, is that, God forbid, that parents should ever require a child to do something contrary to the clear, revealed teaching of Scripture. And we live in such a nutty day, it happens. And it, it, as far as uh, it, it, from our mind to think about that. Uh, there was a crazy case in the paper I saw reported two weeks ago, a court case where this this boy, did I mention it earlier? I can't remember. I think he was 9 or 11. He was found guilty of raping a 4-year-old girl. I mean, that in itself just defies imagination. But when they found out about it, what happened was this boy grew up in a family where mom and dad were walking in our house naked, taking pictures of pornographic stuff everywhere in this and the boy was exposed to all of this evil up to the age of 9 or 11, whatever it was, and, and, uh, and it's no wonder that it led the way to the heinous crime that he was found guilty of. And I was glad to see, and the paper reported that the judge, I don't know if he was a believer, reprimanded the parents and extracted the parents to ask forgiveness of the son and to apologize for the way that they had wrongly raised him. I'm sure that's, you know, I don't, it's a kind of a far-out example. But uh, we are not to ever do anything as children to our parents that would go contrary to the teaching of the Word of God. And those parents were way off the deep end way off. And they're going to pay the price for that for years and years. Wow. In everything. In everything. Why? He says it's right. Uh, for for the explanation, this is right. Well, what does what? Dr. Boyce says this really refers to natural law. That means that God has stamped this 
truth upon our hearts and conscience of all people. The unsaved people, people that know the Lord, know that this is to be true. That God gives little ones to parents to raise them and to correct them and to, to take that little uncivilized savage, as some call children, fruit doesn't fall far, and to civilize them and to train them up so that they'll be the, the men and women in the days to come that they ought to be. It is right. It is right. We know it's true by nature. Furthermore, God alone, I remind you, determines what's right. When he says it's right, it's right. Man doesn't vote on it. It's not a consensus. It's right. In Colossians 3, it tells us not another thing, that it pleases the Lord. You know, uh, when, when our children uh, or teens, when you please the Lord, God says, when you do, when you, uh, when you obey that, that pleases the Lord, whether you understand it or not. How many times do we say that? You may not understand why I say to you to do it, but you respond. I, I can remember that with our own kids. I want you to hear my word and respond to it. When I, For example, you may be walking down the street someday, and I'll tell you, get off the street. You may not see the truck coming, but I don't want you to have to have me write a dissertation. You think about it and see if you agree before you respond. Just get off the street. Trust me. I'm going to, to, to direct you rightly by God's grace. And that's the way it ought to be. God determines what's right. And that when we do what's right, when we obey him, it pleases the Lord. Well, Linsky writes a couple of things. The right of this obedience for children is extended. Notice this. It's extended to include all people who rightfully assume any part of a parental relationship to a child. All right? So, moms and dads, your authority is extended to, to who? To, to, to a babysitter? You know, if you're absent, they have the authority of dad or mom or whatever. When they say it's bedtime, it's bedtime. When they say they have my authority, a teacher, my father had it right. You know, we live in a nutty day where if uh, there's a problem in school, the parents will come in and they'll fight with uh, the teacher that the teacher was wrong. Oh man! My father said, "You ever have a problem with school? You're going to deal with me at home. I don't care what they do to you there. They work for me." They are my extension. I, I understood that. When you're in math class, you do your work. When you're in science, you, you, better, you better be where you need to be. They're helping me educate you. It's not the government's job. It's not the state's job. It's the family. And they're helping me. And if I have to stay home for my engineering job to teach you this or that, I'll do it. We'll figure out something. We'll eat bread. In the meantime, and the better way is if you fall in line there. And that's the way we raised our kids, too, you know. They're extension. Pastors are the same. Teach your kids. There's spiritual authority in a church. The teacher, you, you tra train your children that. Uh, their opinion's not equal. They can have an opinion, study the word, but there are authorities. It's an extension of dad and mom in these areas. Uh, and the same with government. The police officer, by the way, is an authority in governors. Part of what characterizes the Gentile pagan unbelieving culture 
as standing under God's judgment, one man writes, is that it's marked by children's disobedience to their parents. Paul wrote that in Romans 1.30. Well, on the back of your page, if you ever, why is it so hard to teach obedience to our children? Let me just give you a couple ideas why it's difficult to teach obedience to our children. A, the corruption all around our kids. Corruption all around our kids uh, tends to defile them. We get soiled. They get soiled. There's corruption all around us, and it defiles. The second reason, there are only three. Second, the curse inside of them. That's that sin bin. Tends to stir them the wrong way. Don't have to teach kids to do wrong. Have you ever noticed that? Children, notice this. This is how you do wrong. <laughs> Wait, Dad, let me take notes. No, you don't have to do that. You have to teach them to do right and enforce that and, and inspect it. The curse inside. And third and last, why, why is it so hard to teach them obedience? Their own childishness makes them susceptible to many dangers. They're in their immaturity years. They're not aware of all that's around and about. Uh, Proverbs says that we all start out as simpletons. I uh, say, well, that's offensive to me. I'm sorry. We're all there. We're all simple. What's that mean? We believe anything. We're easily influenced. You see, there's that childishness. And so we need to hear the Word of God and do it, and it will grow us in wisdom. So we'll be... Uh, growing in wisdom and men in wisdom of, uh, uh, of wisdom and make good choices, better choices. If not, in time, simpletons will grow into foolish decisions, will uh, harden into scoffers or mockers. That's Proverbs. The Heidelberg Confession, uh, the Heidelberg, the old uh, catechism, put it this way. I just read the, the couple sentences of this to give you the sense of it. Well, what does God require in the fifth commandment? Honor thy father and thy mother. And then it answers, that I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and my mother and to all in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to all their good instruction and correction and also bear patiently with their infirmities since it is God's will to govern us by their hands. That's good. That Heidelberg can confession. Uh, even a parent has infirmity. They're not perfect. We have weakness. We have blind spots. We're sinners. But we bear with that, is what he's saying. Well, that's the first command, directing us. All children were commanded to, uh, by God to obey our parents. That's an action. Now the attitude, the second command. As children... We are commanded to always honor our parents. Honor. This goes beyond mere obedience. Uh, to honor is, uh, is the form love assumes towards those who are placed above us by God. God put honor here, not merely love. He could have said, and love your mom and dad. But he went way beyond that. In the word honor, love is bound up in that. Uh, for it is love and respect, it's reverence, and it's obedience. So it's, uh, it's the attitude behind the act of obedience. Honor. Well, the word honor means to hold, A, in the highest possible regard. 
You prize it. The highly prized. The fifth commandment is now made personal by Paul, where he says that honor your father and mother. It's, it's singular. Your father, your mother. And it's to emphasize that each one of us are to do this. In Hebrew, the uh, Ten Commandments, the, the word for honor, you might be interested, is kavad, is the Hebrew word, and it means to be heavy. Now, it's kind of funny because when we grew up, sometimes we would say, well, that's heavy. You don't hear that anymore. Remember that, Paul? That's heavy. Well, actually, that's very good Hebrew. Heavy means it's weighty. See, if it was foolish or it wasn't worth notice, you were a, it was a lightweight. It was like the chaff that blew away. It's from Psalm 1. But if it was really important or it was really something, it was heavy. And therefore, it was heavy. It, it, it called for your respect and honor to give glory to. The king was the heavyweight, if you will, the way the ancient mind worked. Now, that's what uh, we are to give an attitude uh, to our parents, this attitude of honor to highly prize. So B, we are to honor both uh, our dads and our moms, no matter what, what the situation. You should know that the many of the pagan religions uh, of that day and today uh, denigrate the role of uh, the mother. Uh, it is only Christianity that has uh, elevated uh, womanhood and women to their lofty position. Is only biblical Christianity. Only. If might is right, and the awfulness of that and the ugliness of that gener degenerates to, then I can beat you up, woman, because I'm stronger than you, and I can. That's Nitschke, taken out, developed through the Nazism, and we saw that not too long ago, and the horror of that. Biblical Christianity elevates the role of motherhood and womanhood on the pedestal that it needs to be. An image bearer of God, equal in the things of life. A uh, weaker vessel only physically from here up and needs to be protected and provided for. And so it's not like the Roman day where it was up to the dad. The mom would give birth and the dad could decide legally under Roman law, throw him out, kill that baby, infanticide. And a lot of times, babies were found thrown out the window, laying in the sewer ditch that ran down the hill. They didn't have the plumbing, the sewage. And there these in the early church, to their credit, we're doing Compassion International, the early church would go and pick up those children and care for them, save their lives, and raise them. It's the church that began the orphanages. It's the church that began the hospitals for the infirms, the mercy ministries, the care for the aged. It's the true Christian heart, the heart of Jesus. And, uh, and so the command is given to both uh, fathers and mothers that we are to honor them and to prize them. Now, as we grow into adulthood and move out of our parents' house, we are biblically no longer under the obligation required to obey them. Uh, as an adult uh, living on your own, uh, you, your, your mom cannot call you up and order you. My mother lives in Buffalo, and I enjoy talking to her. 
but she can't say, uh, you know what the Bible says, children obey your parents, come up here next Thursday. Aye, aye, mother. And she might say that, but uh, she would not say that. But uh, you see, it, it's different. It's different now. Uh, once out of house and home, on your own, establishing a brand new entity, a new family, you, you do no longer need, no longer have to obey. That's, that's gone. But you never, never, never stop honoring. Never. It goes on forever is the sense. Forever. This may be difficult area for some, for not all parents live in such a way that their children can properly honor them. I know that. Words that are said, things that are done. I have on your sheet abuse. Sometimes there's parental abuse, verbal abuse. Maybe it's physical abuse. And I've dealt with so many things through the years. Neglect. You know, dad's never there. He's never there in any way, or mom, or whatever. Maybe it's undisciplined. Undisciplined. Or maybe the withholding of love, or these kind of things. Uh, if, if this, look at two, if this is a problem for you, and it is for many, it is, I, I know that. I urge you to study your parents and to pick out some areas in which you can properly honor them. They're not all bad. We tend to want to do that. You know, just, mm, you're out. We cross them out. Don't do that. Find something there that you can thank the Lord for in their hearts and lives. And you can honor them even from a distance. Now, you must forgive them. You must release them of wrongs. A lot of you will carry those around. And it hinders you. It hinders you. You become embittered. Um, build a bridge. I know that bridge comes across both sides, but get it over as far as you can. And, um, and pray. And, and, and God may cause that dad or mom to, to, to meet you there at some point. Uh, so do that. Uh, do that. Find something to honor them. I, I'll never forget reading. I was so surprised. Dr. Boyce, one of my heroes. Do you have heroes? Dr. Boyce is now in heaven. I'm a joy in seeing uh, his church down in Philadelphia. Faith and I are going to go down Thursday, Friday, or into early Saturday for the Philadelphia Reform Conference this week. And uh, to see his old church there, where now Phil Riken is understudies, pastor, doing a great job. But uh, Dr. Boyce, you know, he's such a great expositor now in heaven. You thought he never had any problem, but he. He wrote there, growing up in McKeesport, Pennsylvania, his dad was a great surgeon. And he wrote, and he said, you know, my dad was almost never home. He was always at the hospital. And he wrote, and I, I underlined it in his, uh, his writings, I can never remember at a time my father and I had a serious conversation. I was like in disbelief. And, it, and, it, and, uh, and as the years passed, I had to begin to look at my father uh, and, and try and understand him and then find some things that I could thank the Lord for and honor the Lord for him. And I discovered some things about him that I hadn't known. I discovered that uh, I knew that uh, my father uh, provided for us and he worked so many hours to provide so that I could have a type flight uh, education. And so I could honor uh, my dad for that. And then bit by bit, he would never tell me. I never realized how much my dad gave. 
to the work of the ministry and and to people and to all kinds of things that came in years later and even after he died. And uh, as a fruit of his work, he was so generous, he never said a word about it. But people all over the place, he helped them with monies, people that needed housing, people that needed medical, people that surgeries he did, he never took money. He just was generous, and I never knew that about So I could honor my father for that. And so maybe that helps you as you think about that. Say, well, he was a complete failure, or he's hurt us badly. I submit to you, it's not all, it's not 100%. Look and find something that you can honor your dad and your and or your mom, uh, and, and so fulfill this important example. Well, our motivation for all this, it's the first commandment with promise. I think it means first the commandment, it's the fifth of the ten. It's first, and it's important in its relationship to other beings. The first four commandments relate to God. This is the first, and it relates from five to ten to other human beings. And uh, isn't it amazing God put this one first? Because you get this one right. You learn the authority of obeying and honoring your mom and dad. You, you'll, you'll not have a problem with authorities in life. Or it'll be minimal. It'll be minimal when you understand authority. Look, we all need guardrails. And parents establish that for safety and protection. You like going across bridges over high spans without guardrails on? I don't. I, cr- I cross that on Route 50, that Bay Bridge, that long. I, that, I don't know. I, I, get so, I drive on the inside pretty slowly. I don't know what it is. Now, you take all the, all the guardrails off, I'm not even going that way. I'm not going that way. Somebody will run me off the road or I'll look out at a, at a birdie flying by and I'll be in the drink, you know. <laughs> I'm glad those walls are there. It creates security. It does, and, uh, and that, that's the way it is. And look at the promise. God thinks so much of it, he underlines it with a promise. Number one, it's the, it's the quality of life. And in the Greek, the word well is the second word in the sentence. He wants to tell you, listen, if you honor your parents, learn to obey them in your early years, honor them throughout, it's going to be well with you. Well, I like that. Well, I'll go for that. It'll be well. That's the God-blessed and favored life, God is saying. Well, wow, life is tough enough, and then you die in a fallen world. But God promises, and he encourages, it's going to be well with you. Don't go against the current on this thing. It's tough enough. And then second deals with the mega life. It's, uh, it's the, actually, that's the word, mega. Length of life. Furthermore, if you do this, as a general principle of life, your days will be many, which means that you'll live God's intended years without being cut short. How God does all that, I don't know. Ananias disobeyed God, right? God struck him dead. It, you'll live the God's intended years, humanly speaking. Wow. Isn't that great? Don't be hanging around with those kids. There were kids in our high school, and a number of them are dead now. My father kind of policed that. There was a guy hanging around the house, and the older guy, and he was kind of neat. He had a car, drove us around, wrestling uh, stuff in that single guy, and, and my father's antenna went up, uh, 
Something's not right with him, he said. <laughs> What's that? I thought he was a nice guy. He had a car, drove us around. He's about eight years older. My brother and I and the other guys come to wrestling practice, wrestle. And one day he came by the house, and uh, I was not quite ready to come out. My father was out there in the driveway talking to him. I never saw the guy ever again. I don't know what my father said to him. I got a gun and I got a shovel, probably, and no one will ever miss you. <laughs> but my father protected us, right? I don't know what that guy was up to, but my father was able to smell that out. And I'm here today because I didn't say, hey, you told me to get out, I'm still going to... I don't know. Who knows what that was all about? But I'm still here, thank the Lord. Look at D and last. Remember, children are to obey and honor, and it is the parents who are to teach this to them and insist that children are doing so. That family is to be a community of teaching and learning about God and godliness. Do this. Your kids are not your friends. Isn't that a funny statement? They're not your friends. Uh, if, you, if you rear them right and love them deeply and do these things, I'm telling you, they're going to be your friends forever in adulthood. They will be. They need a parent, not a, not a buddy at the early ages. Got that? Think about that. And say, well, I didn't have it. Take the best of what you had and build on it from your moms and dads. None of us had perfect ones. None of us. Well, what are some lessons, some practical ways we can honor? And we'll be done here in time. Look at that. The lessons for one. Always speak kindly to your, your parents with proper, uh, with a proper tone and with affection. Say, how can I honor them? You can do that. Speak kindly to them. Tender-hearted thing to do. Do that. That's, that's, that's prizing them. That's valuing them. Look at number two. By making, how, how else can I honor them? By making provision for their material needs. Matthew 15, 2 to 4, it's that same passage, you know. Don't say, well, this is the Lord's, otherwise I would have given it to you and provided for it. God has an opinion on that. Don't go down that street. God has given you the, the uh, time and the ability and the talents to have a provision and maybe a surplus so that you can care for your loved ones. The man doesn't provide for his family. He's worse than an infidel. And there's a point where you began in a diaper, and uh, if you live very long, they say you end in them, and you need to teach your children that I take care of you at one end and you take care of me at the other. And some of you do that so well, and we love you for it. This quality is the way to take care of your mama. She's, and we're looking for Is she coming soon? Oh, we can't wait to see Myrtle again, yeah. And Bob and Wanda, I'll never forget the way you took care of Francis and, and so many of you. And some of you have done that, take care of your moms and dads. And, and that's honoring. That's honoring. That's, uh, that really is. Number three, being, you honor them by being considerate of them, by giving them your time. and Include them if possible. A lot of times I often wonder, moms and dads may be far away and, and there's a loneliness in their life. And, you know, a phone call would mean, to you it's, can I squeeze it in? To them, it may mean everything. You just, that was the high point of the day, the 20 minutes you talked to them by giving them your time, asking about them, how's it going? Do you have any needs? I love you. 
thanks for raising a person like me, you know. <laughs> Express it. Number four, honor them by forgiving them of wrongs. Do that. They've all failed us, some more than others. Don't be embittered against them. You lose on it. You lose. Take the best of what they had and build upon it. Forgive them. Don't hold on to it. Number five, we've got a total of six today. Number five, parents, you're required to teach obedience. Required, not optional. And, it, and you're going to be tired in the mix of the day, and you just can't stop. You can't. And mom, you do it too. Don't say it when your father gets home. Don't put that all on dad all the time. We come in kind of dreary, kind of tired. We do what we have to. <laughs> and we're there. Yeah, dad carries a big stick, I know. But, uh, but make sure this happens. Make sure it happens. Teach them obedience and expect them and demand it. And number six, maybe, just maybe, you don't honor and you don't obey and maybe you're not a part of this because you're not saved. Have you come to know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior? It's the gospel. It's the great message. In a little prayer, Lord Jesus, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Oh, you need to receive him. Do that today. If I can be of help, I want to do that. Well, what do you highly prize? Is it a trophy? I bowled 300 once. They gave me a trophy. I got a ribbon. I used to run. I got deer heads on my wall. Or moose, right, Mark? Moose. <laughs> God says, highly prize your moms and your dads. Thank you.